I mean, I, I, I really think that the better option would to be go trading away the first overall pick. That's, I think, the best option for this. What team. if Fields got? What if Fields netted you more in return? to another episode of the Pinewood Perspective. It's been two weeks now since I've done a podcast with my boys T. Gorski, Tom in the building with us, and B-Money White, per usual, the OG3, back to talk the NFL wildcard matches are set. But first, how was your guys' this weekend? Man, I was, I was <laughs> singing a different tune two weeks ago, but... <laughs> Um, we got humbled by the new Detroit Lions, and now we're on the outside looking in, and gotta gotta watch all the other teams get a chance at a Super Bowl. Being a Packer fan, you know, so from that um, from that perspective and point of view, the weekend sucked. Um, it was terrible. Fantasy was over. That was that was all that was left for you. But other than that, it was good. It was good. Yeah, fantasy was over for you. Oh, I mean, if you want to include Mickey Mouse Week 18 games, yeah, there is still fantasy now. <laughs> Inaugural Dick Nasty champ here, folks. I had a great football weekend. Maybe the best football weekend I've had in a very long time. So, obviously, with the whole DeMar Hamlin situation, which – uh, very glad to hear that he has been discharged from the Buffalo Hospital and is on his way home. One of the most inspiring uh, sports stories we've seen in a long time. Uh, you know, this is my first time talking since that incident. And I will say that that was probably one of the one times in my lifetime where I was like at a loss for words watching a sports game. Uh, and then just kind of watching like the sports world stop. Uh, I remember when Kobe died. That was big. Uh, COVID in the NBA and the NHL, that was also massive when the league shut down. But this was just different. I've never, you know, experienced something like that, watching the game that I love and care about so much. And then just watching a player uh, get CPR on the field was scary, to say the least. But with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, uh, our championship game got suspended in fantasy. So... Our commissioner decided to allow week 18 scores to be added on to week 17. And I was down 38 points with Josh Allen, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and Gabe Davis, and he had T. Higgins. Uh, he had a 38-point lead with T. Higgins, and I had those four guys to make up for it. So it was uh, really crucial that all four of my guys had a big weekend and T. Higgins finished with 1.7 points. So. Got a fantasy ring on my finger. People have been calling me Mickey Mouse, fake champ. You know, I'll wear it on the chest. That's all right. You know, I'm going to be rocking the jewelry with a trophy on my mantle. And that's all I need. But, and yeah, and then the Bears got the number one overall pick, which uh, we'll talk about later this episode. Thomas, your weekend? Busy. Very busy. Unfortunately, I didn't get to enjoy much football as I was, you know, back in the office here at uh, Spin Sports Editor, you know, very busy, a lot of topics, 
always fun, kind of miss winter break, but you know, we're here now. And, uh, you know, it's my favorite time of the year, you know, it's, you know, it's the off season, you know, playoffs, you know, Vikings are hopefully going to pull out a win this weekend, uh, a little tricky, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, Packers miss the playoffs, Rogers, you know, maybe be done, you know, so they kind of fall apart. So, I mean, as a fan all around, I can't really be too upset. Yeah. I feel like that was like what I was, I was going into it, looking into it. I was like, I want to see the Packers in the playoffs. Better matchups if the Packers are in the playoffs. I was originally rooting for them, but then it's just like, you know what? It is kind of like odds are neither team would even compete with the Niners as it is. Like that Packers offense is just, it's not where it needs to be. So I was like, you know what? Dan, Dan Campbell and them deserve this. The Packers have owned them for years. It's only right for this new era of Detroit Lions football, who is has such a bright future to knock off, you know, the big bad Packers of the Norfolk years. Like, you know, it, it just, it was, couldn't script it any better. Yeah, that was kind of my stance was, you know, I think the Packers in the playoffs would be more exciting uh, than the Seahawks. Seahawks could give them a game. But at the end of the day, I was kind of just like, I would rather have neither NFC North team be in the playoffs than the Packers. Get what I'm saying? That was kind of yeah. my stance on it. But uh, yeah, speaking of the playoffs, the matches are set. To you guys, which one of these games is more intriguing? Saturday, we start off with, I believe, Ravens. No, Ravens, Bengals, are Sunday night game. Seahawks, 49ers is the opening game on Saturday. And then we have Chargers, Jaguars. And then Sunday, we open up with Dolphins and Skylar Thompson. Breaking news on that. And the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Giants at Vikings and Ravens at the Bengals. More than likely going to be Anthony Brown starting at quarterback. Uh, Lamar has a very uphill battle. And then Monday night, Cowboys-Buccaneers. Brett, we'll start with you. Your most intriguing matchup. The matchup I'm looking at here is the Jags and the Chargers. And I'm looking at this one because... First off, you know, you you listed uh, the injuries um, with the Dolphins and with uh, Lamar being out. This is a game where there's not a quarterback hurt, and it's some of the, you know, best quarterbacks in the league when we're talking potential-wise and especially um, size and arm. You know, both these guys are like 6'6", and – throw for a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. And I believe the Jaguars have won their last five games, if I'm correct, which is a very a very good place to be right now going into the playoffs, um, being an underdog, being underlooked. Um, I don't think that they have as much firepower as this team did a year ago, but it kind of reminds me of the Bengals, you know. They kind of – Came into the playoffs pretty quietly um, and took the league by storm. And, you know, that the, the Jaguars, they have they have a lot of tough games to play, but they have they have the opportunity to do it here. So Jaguars getting a home game, uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That's the game that is the most intriguing to me. And I'd love to see Jacksonville come away with a win. Yeah, that's definitely one that I have 
checked off. And I feel like it's definitely one of the only intriguing ones. Obviously, I think the Minnesota and New York Giants game is also pretty intriguing in my eyes. Uh, the Giants have been kind of, you know, down and out all year long, really. You know, they've been a wild card team. They've been playing good ball, but not really getting that much respect in my eyes. And then you have another team who is having an amazing year, and they're not getting respect. It's kind of, you know, a battle of the disrespected in my eyes. Um, I think that's definitely the most intriguing because there's been all this talk about is Minnesota fraudulent, is Minnesota fraudulent, is Minnesota fraudulent. I mean, here's your test. Last time they played the Giants in Minnesota, we had a Greg Joseph 61-yard game-winning field goal, and I highly doubt, I'm sure Thomas can vouch for me here, that they want another situation where they have to trust Greg Joseph to make a 61-yard field goal to win the game. It's probably going to come down to it. I mean, you got – you know, that's not my most intriguing game, but it's probably number two. Uh, just because, you know, you're you're looking at the Giants. They're 8-1 and one in one-score games. And the Vikings are 11-0 in one-score games. And the Giants' only one-score loss was to the Vikings. So there's a very high probability that you are going to have, you know, this game come down to the wire. And maybe this time around, the Giants come out on top. You're looking at two teams who find ways just to win games when all odds are stacked against them in crunch time um but my most intriguing game i think is the san francisco giants or not giants oh baseball uh the san francisco 49ers and the seattle seahawks um i feel like the seattle seahawks could give them a game you know we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast of you know division games are just different and the last time these two teams played, Brock Purdy was the quarterback. It was in Seattle, which is a very hostile environment. But the Giants are geez, the 49ers only won by eight. They won 21-13. It was a very close matchup. And, Ken, and that was Kenneth Walker's first game back from injury. I don't believe Tyler Lockett played because he was banged up. So I think this time around – you know, Brock Purdy eventually is going to have to face adversity. You know, he's always playing with the lead. You know, the, the Raiders game was a little tough. And, you know, he did show up in crunch time. But, you know, playoffs, they're just different. You know, and I just feel like the Seahawks have been there enough times. And Pete Carroll has been there enough times. And Pete Carroll's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two, three. You know, he's he he's been in this situation before. You know, and Geno still has a lot to prove. He might, you know, he not he hasn't necessarily maybe earned a contract extension yet, but I feel like a playoff win against a team like the Niners, you know, solidifies it. So he has a potential option moving forward. You got a healthy Kenneth Walker, you got DK Metcalf, you got Noah Fant, you got Tyler Lockett, you know, you got a, a you know a young team that's really kind of clicking. And I feel like the Niners, who have won 10 straight games, are bound to stumble eventually. You don't know when. I don't know how, but I still have a hard time seeing Brock Purdy like lead this team all the way to a Super Bowl. So if they were going to lose a game, I feel like this is a little bit of a tricky game where they could overlook the Seahawks because no one thought they would be here. Very similar to when the Vikings snuck in as like the sixth seed and they upset New Orleans at the time, the 13-3 New Orleans Saints, where everyone, like not a person in the world, pick the Vikings to win that game but they found a way to win when the odds were stacked against them so I think that like that's just the most intriguing game 
just from a storyline perspective of, you know, Gino, his redemption tour, you know, can mystery relevant lead the Niners to glory. I mean, there's just so many storylines that you can kind of take away from this game because it's, you know, and like the McCaffrey trade is why it is for a deep playoff run. So like, what if they're one and done? Like that McCaffrey trade is, you know, it, it doesn't look great because well, you, like, the Niners have an easy out. They got Brock Purdy. You know, yeah, that, which again, you know, that'll always be it. And then boom, there, you know, they'll go straight right back to Trey Lance. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is just a game that I feel like could go either way. And I just feel like it's going to be closer than people think. I think many could expect a blowout because they're home, you know, but I don't know. I have a feeling that I just think the night, uh, the Seahawks can find a way, maybe not win it, but maybe make it a field goal game. Touchdown. I feel game. like when it comes to the playoffs, I'm never expecting a blowout. One matchup that I feel like is kind of, you know, getting all the media attention is definitely the Cowboys and the Bucks. Could be Brady's last game if he loses. Could be McCarthy's last game if he loses. He's I mean, safe. According to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, lot. yesterday he's safe. Win or lose. He said, is this, game, is this one game going to cost him his job? He goes, no, there's a lot I need to evaluate about Mike McCarthy, not just this game. He said so this one game safe. wasn't going to just cost him his job. Yeah. I think he was saying, like, yeah, there's maybe a couple. His job is safe as of now. It was my interpretation from that. But, I mean, this is a big matchup. The Cowboys, who have been on, on at some points this year and then completely off, they really need to turn it on Monday because they have Tom Brady and the Bucks, and this isn't a team that should be overlooked. It's Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh, do I have the Cowboys winnings? I do. I do. I think the Cowboys will prevail and win, but it's juicy. Be money. Any other matchups you like? Oh, I mean, I like them all, but um, no. I mean, I think we talked about a lot of the big ones, and yeah, I, I like them all. Love to hear it, Lovey Smith and Cliss. Wow. Lovey Smith and Cliff Kingsbury fired on Black Monday. The only two fired, correct? Panthers are were a midseason firing. Broncos were a midseason firing. And Colts were a midseason firing. Three midseason fires. I don't know. Is that, is that a record? Don't quote me on that. Uh, but Cliff and Lovey get the boot on Monday. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that, Brett? We'll start with you. Um, I don't have any thoughts on it. Um, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, we all knew this was going to happen. It was just waiting until the end of the season. Um, I'm happy that Lovey got, got the win out there. I mean, not happy for the Bears organization for getting the number one pick, but happy for Lovey as a man. Like, you know, he went out there and the organization didn't, probably didn't want him to get a win, but, you know, people are out there putting tape putting film out there, trying to make some money, trying to win the game, and they and they did. So that's cool. But other than that, yeah, we knew we knew that their time was gonna come. And let's just hope that the Texans and the Cardinals can get it right with whoever they hire next. Very true. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I feel like we knew this was happening as soon as Lovey Smith was hired. Um, Lovey, Lovey was promoted in Houston not, not to be their coach of the future. He didn't really deserve the job in the first place. That I but, agree. yeah, I mean, he, he he was the only one who wanted the job. 
that's ultimately what it came down to last year because they they missed out on so many guys. It's like, what's some worst PR nightmare? Hiring Lovey Smith, who probably doesn't deserve it, or hiring Josh McCowan, who ultimately was not, you know, he, he wasn't qualified for it. So they went with the veteran guy. He's got a coaching, somewhat a coaching experience, but he didn't have a roster out there that could win. You know, they didn't really try. They were still trying to recover, figure out what they're going to do with Deshaun Watson at that moment. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, that, you know, what happened happened. You know, you don't want to see someone get fired, but it's like you kind of knew it was happening. You would have thought almost like Lovey could have saw this coming. Like, I don't know how he could have really got hired and truly believed he was the most qualified for the position at the time. Like, I felt like it was pretty well out there that, you know, you really didn't deserve the job, that you are going to be a fall guy. Well, and, I mean, he needs to – then they need to come out and say that to him. To his they face. can't – you know, it's just a technical – like, they can't technically say it. It's like, you know, like teams in the NFL, they're tanking, but they can't necessarily intentionally tank or come out public. Like, yeah, we're tanking. Like the Bears, like they blew up their roster. It was obvious that they were tanking, but they didn't necessarily intentionally tank. But, like, you could see from blowing up the roster, the contracts they were taking on – the way the roster was, was constructed, you know, it's just there's a way to kind of avoid it and find a loophole. And that's kind of like what Houston did. And then, you know, obviously Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury being fired. I mean, that was obvious. You know, you have to side with Kyler Murray with how much money he's being paid. He's the franchise quarterback. He's your franchise player. He's going to be your quarterback for the next decade. Like this is a dude that he needs a say in who the head coach is. You know, they did not see eye to eye. Cliff Kingsbury did not elevate Kyler Murray whatsoever. If anything, Kyler Murray made Cliff Kingsbury look much better than he actually is. And ultimately, Kingsbury didn't even deserve the job in the first place, as much as I hate to say it. He only got the job because of a prior relationship he had with Kyler Murray. They knew each other. They had a history. And as soon as, like, and they cut Rosen right away. They tri- after, you know, number si- uh, like six, seven, or eight pick the year and a few years back, you know, they traded him right away to Miami and then they roll with Kyle Murray, clearly the right decision, but you know, it's just Cliff Kingsbury is probably not going to coach again in the NFL, but he is probably going to get an offense coordinator position. I do believe he, he, he brings an offensive, you know, he brings something to the table offensively. He'll probably end up in new England. I think he'll end up in new England. That's ultimately where I think Kingsbury ends up. He'll be the OC in new England and, you know, it's going to be the right decision, but you know, it's very unfortunate for these guys uh, for the way that it ended, but ultimately it had to be done. And, you know, from what will, uh, not will, what Brett said about, you know, just the bears in the one overall pick because of what happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously lovey got, you know, he got the better of them on the way out knowing he was gone. I mean, if I'm ownership, I'm fi- I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even allowed him back into the building after that game. I would have fired him immediately and just, I'll ship your stuff from your office back to your house. Like I would, you know, it's very, very, uh, the whole plan, you know, the whole plans went out the window because Lovey Smith decides to go for two when he didn't necessarily yeah. have to. He yeah. knew what he was doing. Yeah, if I was Lovey, I would say fuck. Yeah, I mean, he, I he knew mean. what he was doing, but just from like a front office standpoint, at that point, I would uh, not have a lot of nice things to say about you if anyone gave me a phone call. If I'm getting fired, I'd say fuck you though. Like, oh yeah, from from a coach perspective, absolutely, but just from like a front office standpoint no, of how, yeah. or like an owner standpoint of how you kind of have to kind of like look at that, you know. They can cry you could have out quietly. He could have went out quietly, but you know, obviously he didn't. 
and Lovey Smith will, you know, he'll probably never coach in the league again. I mean, yeah, hiring uh, Lovey Smith was probably not the right decision. I feel like we all knew that, and it's unfortunate that they were just going to use him as a fall guy for another year. But what pisses me off is they did the same thing with David Coley. Like, this is two years in a row now that they're using these coaches just for what? Who who are they waiting on? They're not going to get Sean Payton. Like, they did get permission to interview him today. They got permission, yeah, because they know that the Texans and, have draft and, capital. And they, and, but they also have the capital to get him too. And he probably he he if there's anyone that could turn that team around, it would be Sean Payton. So he's a genius. But I mean, I just thought it was bullshit. I mean, Cliff, yeah, deserved the boot. He'd been there for what now four years, gave it his all. Team couldn't win the big couldn't win big games in general. Uh. And the team just kind of went on a down, downward spiral. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, which I know there's been a lot of talk saying, you know, what the Texans did was wrong. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with how they've handled the past two head coaches and firing them after one year. Because truthfully, David Coley, you know, he was, was he the interim and he kept the job? Is that what happened at the time? Oh, he was the. Or was he hired? Or was he hired from, was he hired from Baltimore? No, he was hired from Kansas City. Was he okay? He was so, like the offensive, yes, obviously, offensive that's quality. a little tough to you know. Obviously, it didn't work out, didn't work out. Obviously, he clearly wasn't the guy, completely understandable. Lovey Smith, the problem was no one wanted the position because you didn't know what was happening with Deshaun Watson, and nobody wanted to take over a job where you're potentially miss, missing out on Deshaun Watson one for not wanting to be there, and two. For also, he's going to face a 12-game, 15-game, 16-whole season suspension is what is what the early indication was. So at that point, no one necessarily wants the job. And I feel like I don't have a problem with hiring Lovey for only one year and then parting ways because what were their other options? No, I mean, yeah, we knew he was the fall guy. We knew what was going to happen. So I don't – I know, but they... I personally don't have a problem with how they handled it. Because of, you know, you could say, yeah, it's not right for Robin Lovey, but, you know, what what about the Houston Texans organization? How is it fair to them if no one wants the job because of one, what happens with one of their players? You, you, you got to do the best you can in that scenario. You're either hiring Lovey or you're hiring an unqualified Josh McDaniel. That's fine, but then why, not leave, then why not leave David Coley with the job? Because before they – because they fired him under the impression that, you know, they were going to do all these interviews. And teams would want in play, and they would want to be there. That's the thing. That's why, like, that's the thing is like, because when you go, they, they interviewed eight to ten coaches. They didn't think that all eight to ten coaches would really not have much interest in the job. They had no idea. Yeah, people want to interview with them, but more so for other gain if they're interviewing for other jobs. Kevin O'Connell interviewed with the Texans, but do you really think he would have chose the Texans over the Vikings? No. It, it's more you got to wait for certain dominoes to kind of fall. And that's kind of what happened with a lot of those candidates. And we saw the backlash that happened with Jeff Saturday this year. Could you imagine what would happen if they would have hired McCowan at the time? You know, like, like it, there's just so many scenarios that are in it. Like, I understand for people who want to look at it from just like a pure football, like if you're like a fan standpoint. But there's also like a business side to it with a lot of factors and variables in it that, you know, they ultimately had no options. And they just did what they thought was best at the time. So, like, I know because, like, a lot of people are calling like Nick Casario like racist, you know, and I for for having two African American coaches fire them each after one year. I don't necessarily get that. Like, it, it's a color thing. I don't foresee that. I more so foresee this as 
they just didn't have much interest for the job. There was too much dysfunction going around. And Casario's had to deal with nothing but dysfunction since taking over the team. So, you know, it's just one of those situations that there's there's just a no-win situation. You know, whatever they did uh, was always going to be the wrong thing. Someone would have something to say. I just enjoyed uh, watching Cliff Kingsbury burn after uh, watching Steve Wilkes get fired after one season and Steve Wilkes winning more games than Cliff Kingsbury did this year. So I enjoyed that very thoroughly. Um, what do we think, guys? You got any early predictions on any big names of going to any teams? You know, Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh being tossed around. Jim Harbaugh will probably stay with Michigan. Um, but Sean Payton, well, what do we see? Do we think he could hold out a year, or do you think we could see him in Arizona? I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think he's going to end up in Arizona. He's a really big fan of Kyler Murray, from what I've heard. He is in awe of him. And I feel like they would work very well together. And Kyler Murray is a smaller quarterback, very similar to Drew Brees, and he got the best out of Brees. So I think Payne would get the best out of uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, there's a lot of early indications. I mean, if I had to come up with some predictions here, from just things that I've heard or like just, you know, just seeing like what the odds of it are looking like the Colts job is the one job that I'm not sure that one could go in any direction, but I mean, I think the Panthers are in prime position to land Steve Seichin or Ben Johnson. One of those two guys, they're looking for a young offensive mind to go with the potential new quarterback that they go with Steve Seichin, the Eagles offense coordinator. He's done a wonders for Jalen hurts. So I could totally see the Panthers landing a guy like that you know Sean Payton is a very tricky one because of the assets it's going to take it's going to take a first round pick uh, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to trade the third overall pick for him nor should they no one should but so I can see him trading like a 24 first trading back from three acquiring another first that they could also offer for Sean Payton if they're trying to just look in like down the line Broncos you know Dan Quinn just makes so much sense he, he was a finalist last year and he has history with Russell Wilson. It, it, it makes too much sense. Texans was another finals last year. This is the guy I think they wanted to offer the job, but he was a little too young. They wanted to see it again. It was Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. I feel like this is who they've wanted the whole time. They're just kind of waiting on, and he's just a genius. He's a defensive-minded genius, what he's done over there. And he used to be with the Vikings as well. He was a defensive backs coach. Like He's got a lot of you know, he's he's a very qualified and he's a younger guy. Do you think Colts fit if they take a rookie quarterback? I don't necessarily know if they take a rookie quarterback. I can see a situation where Casario's got history with Jimmy Garoppolo and they draft someone maybe later in the draft to sit behind him. There's a lot of possibilities. Uh, Colts, I mean, Jim Harbaugh obviously comes to mind as like a really big name because he played there. But, you know, this might sound crazy, but I actually think there is a chance – that Jeff Saturday retains the job. I don't feel like anyone's going to really want the job, very similar to Houston last year. But Saturday took over a team that wasn't necessarily his team. So I feel like he wants to at least have a season where he could potentially Im implement his ideas, his philosophy. You know, he didn't want Matt Ryan. You know, like, you know, no one wants Matt Ryan. So it, he, Ursay seems like the type of guy who's very loyal and will at least give Saturday another shot. And he took a lot of backlash for the Saturday hire, so he might want to prove that he made the right call by giving him another year. In Rams, you know, a lot of McVay talk. If they leave, I don't think they're bringing anyone new in. I think Raheem Morris 
would be promoted immediately. He was a head coach candidate last year. He was a finalist with the Vikings and multiple other ones. That kind of screams to mind. And I know another name that's on, like, that's not on here that might surprise a lot of people is D'Amico Ryans. You know, everyone thought D'Amico Ryans would probably be a really big head coach candidate, but I don't foresee his name, you know, in this process unless the 49ers get upset early. Teams typically don't want to wait on certain coaches because they can't officially hire them at a certain point. So I think D'Amico Ryans, kind of like Eric Bieniemy for the past few years, has missed out because teams don't want to wait. But D'Amico Ryans could make some sense for the Colts. They got a they got some key players on defense there, and it could make some sense. Didn't um D'Amico Ryans he played with the Texans? Did he not? He did, yeah. but he declined an interview with them already. Mm. Yes, yeah, so he must know. He he does not want to get into that uh mess over there. He's he screams like a guy who's looking for the right situation, or he'll just. Oh, I out of all the candidates that you know you talked about, I think Ryans is at the top of that list for sure. Yeah, he, he has that old player, um, former veteran, you know, mentality, young guy, has been in charge of a very good defense over the last couple of years. I can see him in the right to, in the right place, be very successful. Yeah, what other thoughts do you have? What do you think about Sean Payton? Sean Payton, um, I think it's – yeah, just too early to tell right now. Um, yeah, I mean, what about him? You think that he's going to go to Arizona? I think it's a good landing spot of all the places he could go. Uh, with, yeah, Kyler Murray, obviously. <clears throat> Hollywood Brown. Got some draft capital. There's a lot of things that they can do. Um, but, yeah, what's... You know, Sean Payton, he still has his ties to New Orleans, right? That's what we were talking about. He'd have to be traded. So that's still um, a lot of – there's a lot that goes into all that. But it would be it'd be good for Sean Payton to be back in the NFL. I'd be happy to see that. How do we feel about uh, Ben Johnson? Uh, you know, that's a hot name coming around the Lions OC. I mean, there's been some rumors that, you know, he could be a favorite for the Colts job. Oh, yeah, the Lions, if they're smart, you know, which I'm sure they are, they're doing everything they can to hang on to him for one more year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, if you're planning on drafting a quarterback first overall, he's who you should be calling. Or, I mean, obviously, Sean Payton, you know, should be on that list as well. But I think Sean Payton wants something more secure, something more where he already has a quarterback that he likes. I Overlook Sean Payton to the Rams, by the way. Sean Payton to the Rams is going to pick up steam big time if McVay leaves because there's there's been a lot of whispers that Mc, uh, that Payton wants to stay in the West Coast, in, L- in L.A., Arizona. He wants to be somewhere warm. My thing somewhere. is, is like I think Payton could sit out a year and he could be going to one of those teams who are going to have a chance at drafting Caleb Williams next year. We've already talked about how much praise. He said on the herd. You said he didn't. He say he was like the best quarterback prospect he's ever seen, or something like that. Like, yeah, he said just from a highlight standpoint. He said he hasn't seen like the whole like four sixty or whatever the NFL. Like, you know, when you can watch every play from every angle, he says he hasn't looked at that yet. But he said just from what he could tell from what he's seen like on TV, that you know this dude looks like the real deal, and he looks like a split image of Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, I mean, if I'm him, I'm considering sitting out a year. 
in waiting for something like that to come along potentially. I mean, if he doesn't want to go to Arizona, um, I can't see him potentially being in Denver with the whole Russell Wilson ordeal. Kind of just seems weird fit for him. Do they have the assets to even get him? That's the thing, though. It's like, are they going to trade that first round pick that they got for Bradley Chubb? I don't know. They could. I mean, I they could. I mean, has much need. But it's like, does Peyton want the job, though? Is the That's thing. Like, I don't. I think he wants a young quarterback. And another reason I think the Cardinals are a name is because there, there's a GM and head coach opening, and there's also, you know, and who's to say Sean Payton wouldn't want full control, like Bill O'Brien had or like the Belichick's had, where it's like, if you're the Cardinals, do you trust Sean Payton to do that? Do you want to give him the keys to everything? Very true. Very true. Uh, Let's get into it. Chicago Bears. Land number one overall pick for the Houston Texans. What should Ryan Poles do? And here comes Thomas with his outrageous take. So we're going to start with Brett. Number one pick? Yep. What do the Bears do? What should he do? Well, first if you off, were George, if you were Ryan Poles, Brett, what would you do? First off, I'm trading Justin Fields. I'm trading him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to stir the get the pot stirring. Um, no, if I'm Ryan Poles, first overall pick, I think this is a great spot for the Bears to be in. They have a ton of holes offensively. I think it's fair to say the only thing they have going for them is Justin Fields and maybe Jalen Johnson on defense, you know, Eddie Jackson. Outside of that, um, maybe well, Bear fans will have some other – Quan Brisker, Kyler Gordon. Yeah, you know, Bear fans have a couple other things to say, but bottom line is there's so many holes. So the thing you got to do here is you just take the highest bid. You take the highest bidder um, and you move back somewhere comfortable. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of this talk, you know, we talked about it before this week about, oh, trading, yeah, field, selecting someone else, um, or, you know, I feel like you really shouldn't stay put and select the number one overall pick is meant for a quarterback, you know, so staying put and selecting defensive player. I don't necessarily think it's the smartest thing to do in this situation. So I do understand the people that say, oh, trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young. And you know what? I feel like there's there have to be a lot more things that you got to know that you can't really know yet to lean on and say you that is the best decision because, I mean, haven't even been able to sit down with this guy go through all the pro day stuff, all the interviews, all that stuff. There's going to be a lot more information and clarity that teams get with these players once they get to that point. So right now, um, you know, with it being too early to tell still, I feel like they just picked up a little, little extra value from moving two to one. And we're sitting at two. They might not get too many offers to slide back and get a great defensive player. Now sitting at one, they sit in a lot better position to do that. And with as many holes as they have, I think that's what they should do. I couldn't agree more. And the people who say that we should trade Justin Fields and 
draft Bryce Young. Uh, if Justin Fields doesn't work out when you put, you know, actual, you know, good, young offensive rookies around him, potentially style up your defense a little bit, because at the end of the day, we all know defense helps the offense very much. The better the defense, better opportunities the offense has. Uh, and just build around this kid, you know, give him something to work with this year. If he doesn't work out and he sucks, how much better do you guys think that the Bears are going to be next year? Odds are you're going to have two first-round picks this next year if you trade back. And if Justin Fields regresses, holy shit, Drake May and Caleb Williams are sitting right there, and the Bears' odds are have a high pick. Go up and get them. Go up and get them. Why would you sit here and take Bryce Young when there's a lot more question marks about this year's draft class than next year's draft class, which looks like, I mean, those two quarterbacks alone right there are very highly touted prospects. Caleb Williams, if he was available in this draft, would be the first overall pick. No questions about that. So why would you not give him a chance to, you know, show something when he progressed in every single aspect of his game this year with the worst supporting cast in the National Football League and accounted for 25 touchdowns on his own pretty much? I mean, most of those touchdowns, we could all agree, was coming from Justin Fields having to make a play. This team was awful. And he was their only playmaker, true playmaker offensively. You know, I know that they had one of the best run games in football. Obviously, Fields was a major part of that. And I do like the running back room. But the offensive line needs serious work. The receivers, while I like Darnell Mooney and I enjoy Chase Claypool, they need a true number one there. And I just don't see any possibility how you could sit here and say, this team needs to trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young when – you have given him nothing to work with, and you have a better quarterback class coming into the next year's draft. So give them a chance to work with something, and odds are, if he sucks, you're going to have a high draft pick and another draft pick on top of that from trading back in this draft. Go get Caleb Williams then, if he sucks that bad. But we have seen him with unfortunately nothing, and uh, at some point – there was times where this dude was putting up 34 points a game on his own. I mean, he had like, what, five touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins, two with his legs, three with his arm. Week before that, Dallas Cowboys, two with his legs, two with his arm. I mean, he needs he needs a lot of help. And I just don't see any scenario when there's a lot, there's a lot more question marks about this draft. And I mean, we see it every year with these kind of styled quarterbacks. Uh, many thought that people should move on from, you know, the Ravens should move on from – Lamar Jackson in 2019. In 2018, there was not a lot of promise around Lamar Jackson. Uh, same thing with Jalen Hurts. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen them. We've seen it do it. We've seen them do it to Josh Allen. Quarterbacks who are explosive with their legs and their arm is not developed yet are always going to be, uh, you know, told to move on from. We've seen it with Hurts, Jackson, and Allen before. And here we are, and the fields is getting the same treatment. There was two years in a row where the Philadelphia Eagles easily could have moved on from Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah, last year, they really didn't have much of a choice. What were they going to do, take Kenny Pickett? That would have been pretty stupid. But the year before that, they were sitting in a position where they could draft both Mac Jones and Justin Fields, who were more highly touted collegiate prospects than Jalen Hurts, but they stayed put. And look what he's become. You have to give him a year. You have to give him weapons. Uh, and obviously, as a Bears fan, I'm going to be biased. I think – it. I would be uh, obliterated inside if 
we traded Justin Fields. This kid, this kid has given Chicago so much hope, hope that they've never had before. You know, that 2018 team was a lot of fun, but I don't think anyone really bought into Mitch Trubisky as much as we've bought into Justin Fields. There was, you know, people who were bought in on Mitch. I was bought in on Mitch, but I was not nearly as bought in on Mitch as I was on Justin Fields. And I think it's okay to have these conversations as well. Like, I think Ryan Poles wouldn't be doing his job if he was not, you know, leaning towards the possibility of scouting this player. He should 100% do everything he can to look as deep as he can into Bryce Young, 100%. But I think from what I've seen, Chicago ultimately needs to give Justin Fields a year to grow, get more weapons around him, because I feel like he's definitely shown enough. 100% in my eyes with the cast that he's been given has shown enough to earn being starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears next year. Okay. Um. No. <laughs> what? Goddamn! Uh, fucking state of the. I just U- loved your. I loved your answer there, Thomas. That was just. That was just a nice transition right there. Okay. Oh. So, okay. So this is where I'm at with the whole thing. Wow. I, have, crack seen, that I have. I have seen two years of Justin Fields up to this point, and one I don't think he has the worst. Um. I don't think he has the worst weapons around him. I think the Giants are in a much worse situation offensively because they have nobody else except Saquon Berkeley in that offense. Their offense line is loaded. But what I do think is, I I feel like the question that needs to be asked is, who's going to net me more in a trade? Justin Fields or the number one overall pick? Because Bryce Young's special. Bryce Young is a better prospect coming out of college than – Justin Fields was coming out of Ohio State. We got a Heisman winner. We got a national championship winner. We have a guy that elevates players around him, and he is a special, special talent. Fields didn't do that in college. Justin Fields was a much better prospect. He was was like the most I don't believe he was, though. I don't. Bryce Young proved a lot to me this season. This season, if you want to compare like him, it was like Jameson Williams. So the year before that, but let's not act like Justin Fields, his core around him didn't make him better. Having Garrett Wilson, the number 10 overall pick, having Chris Olave, the number 11 overall pick, and having Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be a first-round pick this year, along with having a very solid offensive line at Ohio State. What about that Joe does Burrow? Help. That does help. Bryce Young. Joe Burrow, then? I agree. And you know what? Joe Burrow backed it up when he got to the league. Justin Fields did not. Well, yeah, Joe Burrow. Justin Fields isn't throwing the ball to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Yeah, but but you know, but you know who he did have? He did have Allen Robinson at the time. Where Mitch Mitch made Robinson. I'm not gonna say he made him, but Mitch was able to get it done with Allen Robinson. Justin Fields wasn't okay. Let's not act like Allen Robinson and I'm not, but I'm just saying let's not act like Allen Fields Robinson. has been playing with D like D2, D3 talent. You know, there's been guys who have been in very rough situations. But back to my point here is it just comes down to who gets me more in return. Odds are the number one overall pick is going to net you much for Justin Fields. I don't think Justin Fields has a lot of value around the league right now if you put him on the block. He has not shown enough yet as a passer. It, it, he's a project. He's ultimately a project. There's a reason he fell in the draft to number 11 because teams knew this guy's is probably going to take a while. But he is special. He's an athletic freak. We've seen that. 
He is dangerous with his legs. He is the most dangerous quarterback with his legs we have seen since Michael Vick. I'll even put him ahead of Lamar Jackson. But from a passing standpoint, he's still completing 60% of his passes. He has the highest interception percentage in the NFL. The team on yards per game basis is one of the lowest in the league. You know, Chase Claypool was able to get it done early on with Kenny Pickett, who Kenny Pickett might be a better passer, not a better prospect, but a better passer than Justin Fields is because he just needs a lot of work. You know, maybe he needs that number one option. You know, we saw it with Josh Allen. That's very, very fair that you need a number one option to take your quarterback to the next level. But usually before – Tagovailoa. Yes, but before – but typically before you get to that point, though, you still see a little bit there. And Justin Justin Fields, he just just has a lot of limitations. So his arm, impress, team, his arm doesn't and he impress shows a lot, but there's a lot of things that, you know, you might not always necessarily see, but here's what I see. I see a guy that panics and leaves the pocket early. Maybe he's gun shy for being hit so much, but he sometimes it's almost like just ghosts around him. Like, like people are like not there that he thinks are there. He panics and leaves the pocket very, very early. And another issue I have with Justin Fields is I think he's got durability issues. We've seen him be hurt back to back seasons. He is not when he's played, he has gotten hurt because of his play style. And I don't know if that's sustainable long term. So if I am the Bears, I'm considering Bryce Young at number one. I'm not saying I'm I'm just gonna like say, yep, that's my pick. Or I wouldn't commit to him or Justin Fields as this current moment. I would stick to the process. But if a team calls me up and says, I will give you a first round pick this year, say it's the Jets. The Jets will give you the 13th overall pick. They'll give you two-thirds and maybe even a second in the future. At that point, that's enough for me to say yes, and I will invest into Bryce Young going forward, who at the college level has made it work without talent around him. Justin Fields needed that talent at Ohio State. Bryce Young's leading receiver this season was Jameer Gibbs, a running back. They had a horrible receiving court. This is one of the worst years of Alabama's career because the defense was a mess. And from an offensive standpoint, Bryce Young still played very well. He elevated players around him. But he's he just – I almost can't explain it, but it's like almost like a Steph Curry thing where it's like he makes plays and stuff that you can't just explain. Like you could see someone when they kind of have that it factor where he's been the consensus number one for two to three years now. People have been waiting for him to come out. That was never it with Justin Fields. That was Trevor Lawrence. And we're seeing Trevor Lawrence take that next step. Trevor Lawrence is in a tier of his own from that draft class. Justin Fields is the QB2 of that draft class. But Trevor Lawrence has been phenomenal. He has taken that step forward. Credit does go to Doug Peterson, the guy the Bears should have hired in the first place. But I just think it all comes down to what's going to get you more value. I'm not in it. This has nothing. Justin Fields isn't bad. He's just a project. That's all. He he is just a project, and he's unfortunately probably needs a lot of help to really take that next step forward. So I kind of will. I'm okay with your philosophy if you want to give it a year, you know, and you want to wait for Caleb Williams. You know, that's more than fair. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. You know, hope for Drake May. I think Bryce Young is a better prospect than Drake May or Quinn Ewers coming out next year. I just Bryce Young is a dude that you really want to build around, and he's got. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson, prime Russell Wilson with Seattle, 
very smart guy, makes the right plays, always the smartest guy in the room, hard worker, where there's, you know, you don't have to worry about him really. And he's been very durable at the college level as well. So I would trade back probably because I don't think there's going to be enough of a return for fields. He just hasn't shown enough from honestly a quarterback standpoint of someone that you could build a team around that he could elevate players around him. Cause if you need to get him these weapons, you know, it just shows that you need players to potentially elevate him more so. And polls also, he didn't draft them. Eberflus wasn't here when both those guys were not here when fields was drafted. That was a naggy move. So they're not necessarily committed to him, which is why I think the conversation should still be up in the air and they need to do their due diligence. This is what I love about the draft because I remember when Justin Fields was coming out, everyone was like, he's a lot like Russell Wilson. And now we're having I never got that vibe from him. I don't know how you didn't. I feel like it was, you know, big body. You know, they're both kind of big boys. Stout, strong arm, pretty deep ball. I mean, I think they're kind of like an ideal match. Wide, large quarterbacks with a big arm and throw a pretty deep ball fast mobile I mean I think Justin Fields is definitely more mobile than Russell Wilson but um I feel like that was what everyone was saying I feel like that was like the lock but I mean yeah you if that's how you feel about Justin Fields that's how you feel about Justin Fields I just I need to see more that's that's just the thing. I think we all do I'm not saying we don't yeah I mean we'll see but I mean I just – there's too many question marks, and it's like Bryce Young is potentially another once-in-a-generation type talent. Oh, he's like, not. Oh, he's not. I think he is. There's I no way. There, nobody is talking about him like that. No one is talking about him like Trevor Lawrence. No one is talking about it. There was never speculation of Will Levis. or There was never speculation of anyone being drafted ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ever. There is people talking about Tre- or Will Levis, who was like QB3 on my board. Being taken over Bryce Young, we never saw that with we never saw that with Trevor Lawrence. I don't believe that, that with Joe Burrow. We didn't see that with Andrew Luck. There's never been speculation with those three players. You could argue that Even those are the most highly touted quarterback prospects of our lifetimes, no doubt about it. Correct? That's correct. At least since we've turned ten years old, since 2010, those are the three most highly touted prospects. And in every single one of those drafts, there was never a question mark. And there's been a lot of people saying Will Levis should go 1.1, which I disagree with. It should Was be. Was it Mel Kuyper? No, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. Exactly. Once I heard Mel Kuyper, I'm, not, I'm done with the convo after that one. I, I don't respect people, Mel Kuyper whatsoever. Multiple people think that Will Levis, it's just not those two. Trust me. There's multiple outlets out there that people are really starting to believe Will Levis should go 1.1. There is – that. If he's That's not, not once-in-a-generational right here. If that Pretty conversation sure. needs to be had, he's not a once-in-a-generation prospect. And unfortunately, it's being had. Caleb Williams will undoubtedly be once-in-a-generation prospect. There will be no doubt whoever has 1.1 or will eventually trade for 1.1 next year will be taking Caleb Williams. There's no doubt about that. But if the conversation is being had and multiple people believe that it should be had, He's not a once-in-a-generational talent. You might think he will be 100%. That's fine. I mean, he is coming out of Alabama. You know, if you watch the film, I mean, y- you see it. The kid's special. What, what does special. it mean for him? What does him coming out of Alabama have to do with it? 
Oh, no, no. It's not just him coming out of Bama. I'm saying if you watch the tape of him in Alabama over the last two years, I mean, the kid is special. He, I'm, I'm not he is as calm and composed as I've ever seen a prospect come out of, the, of, of a draft. Ever. In hey, I can say in recent memory, I can't go obviously back to like, you know, 90s, early 2000s, but I'm just saying over the last 10 years, I would say Bryce Young is the most composed <laughs> quarterback and most grown up quarterback coming out of school. Okay. You can, um, will love you know, you. you can I will say, love to see how that works out. There's some discussion about Levis and Stroud, but for me, there's no discussion personally. I agree. I think, I'm with uh, you Young guys. Is the number one quarterback. I'm with you guys. I'm not disagreeing that at all. But to, but for anyone to say like there's this is a generational talent, no one has been hyping him up as that. Um, I mean, I mean, three years ago after he won Heisman, people said if he came to the draft, he he would have been the number one overall pick. I feel like he wasn't this playing guy, football like three years has, ago. Mac Jones was playing football three Kyler years Murray ago. Did. Yeah, I would consider him, Kyler Murray. Yeah, I would consider it around Kyler Murray. But people weren't saying Kyler Murray was a once in a generational prospect. Well, I don't. I don't know. I just think in my eyes, he should be one point one. And there's one no question pick. about. I think that. I think all number one picks are kind of once in a generation prospects i mean most of the time like there's a no, number I mean, one player i in think draft, when there's a guy that's going to talked that. about very highly for like a two-year stretch where it's like okay this dude is like really good because bryce young was even talked about as like you know like this dude's going to be special once matt jones graduates like matt like they're in good hands with bryce young and then once he took over heisman winner but he had like he had like 45 touchdowns like three picks it was like it, it was just insane, and he's winning these big time games at such a young age, where Justin Fields never won a national championship. No, but he threw six touchdowns against Trevor Lawrence and spanked their asses. And you know what? And I would honestly hope so with that receiving core. That's one of the best receiving cores we've ever seen. Jameson Williams was the number four receiver on that team, and he was Bryce Young's number one a year later. I mean, are we being obviously Ohio State does, you know, they have very good weapons. So did Tua when he was at Alabama. You know, there are weapons that do make quarterbacks maybe a little better than they are, which is why we're seeing Justin Fields unfortunately struggle as a passer in the big in you know, since he came to the league. You could say, like, oh, he doesn't have enough weapons, but I mean Chase Claypool and Mooney's more than enough to at least see something. He, have something. he has the worst offensive line in football. Like, there's more to it than that. Why do you think they're running? I think you can nitpick. So I think you, you can nitpick and look for an excuse with every single quarterback situation, if you really want to. Because you could say Mac Jones right now has the worst play caller in the league. He went from McDaniel's to um, Matt Patricia. Yeah, I think it's now, sad. Mac, Dude, Jones Mac Jones looked really Mac good. Jones. Mac Jones looked really good last year, and he went from. I mean, how do you, you go from Matt Patricia? Like, yeah, you're gonna have a decline, and I think that Mac Jones can get back to being who he was in year one. I think Mac Jones right now is a better passer than Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm sure you fucking think you're a better passer than Justin Fields. No, oh, no, no, not at all. But I've seen a lot of big-time throws by Mac and these guys. I've seen a lot of big-time throws from Justin Fields, and he throws a better I've only seen a few. I've seen a few where I'm not as big as that throw he made against the Packers to St. Brown. To me, that's a throw you should make. Not not a play that you got to keep putting on replay. Like, what a great throw. That's a play that, you know, if but you're a quarterback, you should make that throw. Yeah, he should. So I just feel like when it comes he to does. The, right now, the Bears, I, I do believe a lot of fans are blinded 
because they Fields is the only thing they have ever seen as a potential promise because the bar has been so low that they're almost scared to move off of it because they don't know. But in reality, Bryce Young is more than likely better as a passer right now than Justin Fields. But Fields has the legs. That makes it worth it. But if those legs go away, what do you got? You know, what if, you know, as he gets older, you know, has a knee issue, he's prone to get hurt. The best availability, you know, the best thing for a player is to have availability. Fields has durability issues. He's got fumbling issues. He's got decision-making issues. There's a lot of question marks for him. Sean McVay leaning towards leaving the Rams, allowing coach. Brett, am I wrong here? I mean, I'd From what I'd you've seen these last two years. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch some more Justin Fields football. What did you think, Brett, when you went to the – what did you think, Brett? You went to the Paris-Packers game. What did you think? What I think of Justin Fields' play? Yeah. How do you think of him um, as a passer? I was at what did you think of him? What did you think about him that game as a passer of the football? Oh, I think he I think he did pretty well. Yeah. Besides his late game mistakes. Yeah, he was very well. Very, did you throw very, a game losing good. interception? I forgot. Um he, he when he had to throw. Not down two possessions, he did throw an interception. What what was your context on that though, Brett? You and he Brett. actually did throw another. He did, he threw an interception down, or he threw he threw two bad interceptions. Yeah. What were your context? on those picks, Brett. What's that? What were your context on those picks? I remember me and you talking about this right after you got back from the game. What were your, what were your context? Well, we all we all know the first or the second one doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah. but the. What what are we getting at here? Fields played good that game. He did. Thank you. All right. Oh, and players have very good games here and there. Absolutely. I mean, Mitch threw six right. yeah. against the Bucks. I'll agree with that as well. I mean, didn't Mitch? I mean, didn't didn't the Bears think fans think that Mitch was the their savior after his six touchdown game against the Bucks? Yeah, but I mean, that came. Uh, like this guy's the real deal. We found our guy. You know, it's just because it's nothing, to be really, apparent, it's nothing against the player. Clear. It's just their expectations are so low because they've never had a franchise quarterback. Or any sign of hope, you know, you want to hold on to it. It came pretty apparent pretty quickly that, you know, throughout 2018 and 2019 that Mitch was not good. Yeah, I mean, I will say the six touchdown pass game was a lot of fun. But in those like three weeks after that, he looked actually very good. But then, I mean. Do do you feel like those became, you know, your eyes opened up a little bit more knowing that you had such a good team? that basically now we see his deficiencies where if maybe if you guys were a rebuilding team, kind of like you are with fields right now, that it's like, you know, what's he supposed to do? You know, like what's he supposed to do where, you know, Mitch was the problem back then. So how do you not know if you don't, you know, if this team does eventually have good, it might be too little too late, you know, fields could be the problem then at that point, because when they've needed him most, he's let them down this season through a pick against Atlanta he threw a pick against Detroit at home that brought them back into it and ultimately lost them the game. He threw the picks against the Packers. You know, where there is yeah. certain situations, like, yes, it's un- it's unfair, but unfortunately it's still, like, the reality of, like, that's what happened. Like, with game-winning drives, he's, like, 0 for 5 this year. Uh, he has two He has two game-winning drives this year, I think, I saw. they, they, they the, the one against the 49ers. And... I, they probably I they won by like 10. I, I thought they beat the Niners by 10 and the Niners just couldn't they come beat back. them by nine, but they counted it as a game winning drive because it happened under less than 10 minutes and he threw a game leading touchdown. Okay. 
Um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm not like there's no excuses for his play at some points. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for him. I other just feel than like us. there's not enough criticism. I think there's plenty of criticism if people are considering. No, 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 not from like nationally, from like Bears fans alone, where it almost feels like he could do no wrong. And every excuse of like what any mistake he makes, you blame the offensive line, you blame the receivers, you blame the defense or the coach. Like, it's never oh, just Justin you know, has Justin plenty of room up. to grow. He, he's he's messed up plenty of times this year. I expect my second year quarterback to mess up. You know, it's not like he's handed this God given roster, and you know, at, I was expecting him to make plenty of mistakes this year. One hundred percent expecting him to make plenty of mistakes this year, no doubt about it. And yeah, he threw a lot of you know. There was some game ceiling interceptions. The one against Atlanta went off. Uh, my God, ball, ball was a little high. Whatever, you know, there's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, that was one. That was just one of, you know, the multiple times where things went wrong. But there was also the Miami game where Justin Fields was balling out and Equinemia St. Brown drops a first down and which ultimately would have put the Bears in Miami's field position with a minute and 50 seconds to go and only down three. So there's that. Uh, there's Amir Smith, Amir Smith Marset fumbling the ball when Justin Fields was cooking. He was doing very well against the Lions. I thought he had a very well game. Uh, he looked good. Uh, and then Amir Smith Marset fumbles the football. There's that. So I think there's a little bit of give and take. Yeah, Justin Fields needs to be, get better, but there's been just as many times where his teammates have ultimately let him down. Yeah, I mean, wow. and my main thing is it's still nothing specifically against Justin Fields. It's more so that. I don't think he's done enough to just eliminate the conversation where you are just set in stone that he is your quarterback going forward, where I still think there just, there needs to be, he hasn't done enough to get rid of that, where there still needs to be a conversation of Bryce Young for this team. There just, there needs to be a discussion. It should be as of this exact moment, we're not doing it. There's no chance now. Like there just needs to still be an internal discussion that's just my thing where like fields, you know, yes, you could build around him. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying my main thing is from this whole thing is that you just can't fuck the conversation and not even consider. I've, I've, said, that. I've said that. I oh. literally have said that. I have said they should look into Bryce young. 100%. You're a bad GM. If you don't, if you're not scouting Bryce young or looking into him, that's just bad business. Like you have the number one overall pick. For a reason, you should be looking into every single player who could potentially go 1.1, 100%. I've said that. Yeah. It, it, no, and my thing was, was like, when you came across to me, it was more so it's just, you know, just doing your due diligence, where it wasn't more like actually seriously taking it into consideration. It was more so just doing like the bland, like just due diligence kind of thing. Like, yes, they should do their due diligence, but they're really old to, in the back of your head. It's like they probably shouldn't consider it. I mean, I, I, I really think that the better option would to be go trading away the first overall pick. That's I think the best option for this. What team. if Fields got what if Fields netted you more in return? No. Are you still I not mean, doing what do you, it? How what do you think? Like no, I'm just like like hypothetically if you were selling the number one overall pick or you were trading Justin Fields and you got more from Justin Fields. Say you got two field. first two seconds for Justin Fields right now. And then you could stay where you're at and still have another first this year and take Bryce Young. Are you still not doing the conversation? It feels get you a haul. So we get two first round picks this year without giving up one. Basically, point. whatever you would get for that number one pick. 
basically, in your eyes. But you know, you, how they so, feel you two first. So we give. The, say Houston. Give okay, here. How about this? Like, let's say Houston gives you hypothetically pick twelve in a first next year, and you can stay at number one. No. I think moving back and potentially. No, you stay at pick one though. You still have pick number. You have picks one, twelve, and an extra first next year. So you, you you still do not consider it. No, because I think that I would rather move back, get Will Anderson and Peter Skronowski with two and twelve. I don't know if it, I but think that better. Is Houston going to move up though? Is the thing. If they, know. I mean, we're talking on, you know, if this. Could, I mean, people are going to assume they will, but who's to say that they will? And they'll want to pay the premium for one spot when they can just take CJ Stroud. Now they don't have that decision. Now, if they like CJ Stroud and both, you know, they they could take Stroud. There's no decision to be made there. We'll then have fun with the Indianapolis Colts getting your boy that you wanted so bad. Like, I mean, that's what's gonna I think I that's why I ultimately do think that the Texans are gonna be the one to move up. And I think it will, I think Ryan Poles will put him at spot and say, Hey, do you want Bryce Young to go to your division rival in the Indianapolis Colts? If you don't, you're going to give me two and 12. That's what I, I mean, that's personally what I would be doing or any smart GM in my eyes would be doing. That's a lot for, you know, one spot move up, a whole 12th overall pick as well on top. And what would the Colts be giving up in that scenario? Uh, A four, a two, and probably a next year's first. And why would the Colts give up that much? To jump in front of the Texans and land Bryce Young. But what if, but what if they like CJ Stroud? Could if they just move like CJ Stroud? Yeah, I mean, it's well, I mean, hey, then all power yeah. to him. Then all power to him. There's a possibility Chris the Bears are in a good play. spot. Bears are in a good spot. Oh yeah, I mean, no, no one's denying that. They have a bunch of options. I they mean, they could go anywhere number with one, that. number one pick. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we're in a phenomenal spot. I mean, yeah, of course, you're the worst team in the league. I mean, worst roster, worst coach team. I mean, it was – you are where you ultimately probably deserve to be at the end of the day. We weren't the worst coach team. We were actually third in the NFL in penalties. You know, it was a well-disciplined team. Just worst roster that I can agree with. Well-disciplined football team, I will say. But, yeah, worst roster, we can – yeah, we don't really need to dive into that too much. All right. Jesus, cry, Minnie. Sean McVay is leaning towards leaving the Rams for TV and broadcasting, allowing coaching staff to seek other opportunities. Do we see it happening this year? Or do you guys think he gets one more? Um, I think he gets one more year. I, I don't foresee him leaving the team this year. I mean, it's just – it's hard for me to imagine that he would leave with Donald still there, Stafford, Ramsey, where I just feel like they would – like he's going to give it one more shot. That injuries, you know, were just the main factor for their disastrous season and the worst – and they ended with the worst record in NFL history for a Super Bowl team the following season. So, I mean, I just – he needs some time to decompress. I'd give it like – I think he'll give it about another week or so. But I don't think the Amazon job is going to be his. I don't think they're going to fire uh, Kirk Herbstreet because they offered him $18 million a year ago to take that spot. He said, no. So I do think he'll maybe leave in a year. And it's like, and he, it's not fair to the organization. We're not having any draft picks this year, this year, really. So I don't know if he's going to leave. And if he does leave, I mean, he would just have to be mentally exhausted from the game. 
And I have heard, you know, he wants to start a family. He just got married recently where, you know, it's taken a toll on him these last six years. So, I mean, it's very possible. I just personally have a hard time seeing him leave because I don't think Kevin O'Connell would have left if he thought McVay was leaving the following year. I think O'Connell would have waited and passed on the Vikings and other jobs to take the Rams job a year later after already being in knowing that team and that system. So that's why I don't think he's leaving because if there was any indication a year ago that he was, I don't foresee, you know, O'Connell leaving. It's just, I feel like he just needs a break and he needs to reevaluate like where the team's at. I think, uh, yeah, I think McVeigh, Donald, and uh, Stafford are all going to give it one more hurrah. And I think ultimately all three of them will be retiring at the end of next season. That's really much all I have to say on it. And I feel like right now, you know, Sean McVeigh wants to leave to leave to go to broadcasting. I mean, if you're Where Sean, you, McVay, go? you want one, you want that number one spot. And he deserves that number one spot. And the only place where he can get a number one spot is Thursday Night Football. Without Michaels, he'll take Herb Street spot in a second. But you know, is Bezos going to pay for Herb Street's contract? I don't know. And pay McVay twenty million a year? I don't know. Anyone can afford it. It's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I don't think that's what we have to worry about by any means. I think. Well, I, I only say that because that because that's what Peter King brought up, where he says he doesn't believe Bezos would do it. And Peter King's pretty in tune if that was a possibility of just from the from the business side. So, I mean, if Peter King saying he doesn't believe that, you know, that Bezos or Amazon and that they'd rather stick with Herb Street, I, I think I kind of believe him a little bit. Yeah, maybe. But I just think that's the only spot that'd be available for him because Tom Brady's getting that Fox gig. We all know that's coming. Just a matter of when, not if. Exactly. So, like, would McVay be opening open to go take Greg Olson's spot with Fox for one year if Brady discern, decides to return next season? Like, that's up to McVay. But he's not taking Romo's spot. He's not taking Chris Collinsworth's spot. And he's not taking uh, Troy Aikman's spot. So, it's going to come down to – and he's not taking Brady's spot. So, ultimately, it's going to come down to Thursday Night Football. And that's why I think, you know, they'll give it one more year – uh, he'll try to do one last hurrah. I can't see Sean McVay being one to be like, yeah, this is it for me. After this season, how weird it was for them and just the injuries, I can't see him wanting to go out like that. Ultimately, he will return next year. Then he will retire. But he will coach again in football one day. He's going to do what Gruden did. He'll leave for five, ten years, but he ultimately will come back and coach football again one day. I think there's no doubt about that. I don't think he'll do what Sean Payton did. That's a little quick for his liking. You know, he's like, what? How old is he? 38, 40, 42? Yeah, he's a, he's the youngest coach in the league. And if he leaves, then Kevin O'Connell becomes the youngest coach in the league. He's still the youngest coach in the league. How long has he been yeah. the youngest fucking coach in the league for? He got hired at age like 30, I think, 29 or 30. He's only 36. Yeah, he got hired. He's been there since 2017, correct? Yeah. That was six. Yeah, he got hired at like 30. That's insane. This man is got probably the fucking nicest crib in L.A. Got a beautiful wife. This dude is going to be living lavish. It almost sounds like you're, uh, you know, almost sounds like he probably should leave. (laughs) I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't fucking blame him. 
You know how much he, money this dude's got? And if he gets a TV contract, you know how much more money he's going to have? Yep. I don't blame him one bit. All right, let's get the playoff predictions out there. And let's move on with our lives. Seahawks 49ers to kick it off. Be money. Seahawks plus 10. Give me the Niners, though. <laughs> uh, Niners. Niners. I got the Niners as well. Chargers, Jaguars. I just feel like this Jaguars team is just one more year away. I think they're young and they're really figure it out. Uh, I think that you can kind of maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but the Titans game, you know, maybe because that was such a playoff game to them. They got a little nervous. They didn't look the greatest against Josh Dobbs and the Titans. Um, so maybe that did shake their first game jitters, uh, considering that was pretty much a playoff game to them. But in my eyes, I still think the Chargers take this one. They're getting Rashawn Slater back. Got a lot of momentum going, but the Jaguars do too. So, Chargers. All right, I'm going to go with Jags. Jags. I'm going to go with the Jags on this one too. Um, I do think the Chargers are the favorite, and Rashawn Slater coming back is huge for them, especially in the playoffs here. Um, But – I'm rolling with the underdogs, man. You know, Peterson, he's he's been on this road before. And for Do we lose them, Thomas? It's Jags, too. I mean, I'm just going with the Jags because they're home. And, you know, Mike Williams is probably a long shot to play. Mm-hmm. So Herbert's shown that he, he's a guy who needs weapons. I got the Bills against the Dolphins. I don't think need much needs to be said with that one. It's going to be Skylar Thompson. Bills, I mean, Bills are going to win by default. So, Give me the Dolphins plus 14, but I do want the Bills in this one. Okay. Uh, I smell an all-dogs parlay coming for Brett White. Oh, no. Nope. Um, maybe I did a, a – couple of the spreads, you know, I do have the Dolphins and the Seahawks spread parlayed. Oh, that's what I'm saying. You're going to get the points. I'm not saying that you're just taking all the dogs money line. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I can see you taking all the dogs with Brett. I feel like I feel like that's just a juicy Brett White trade I could smell. Uh, This is the big one. Giants, Vikings. Thomas? Um, I'm gonna go Giants. Um, I think Daniel Jones has proven a lot this season, and more so. The game was just so close last time. It's and you know I just I don't know if I trust Kirk Cousins yet. You know if maybe I'll have a little more faith in Cousins if he really shows up for this game. But you know this is a bit really big time game, and you know I just I I don't know. I mean these are two equal teams to me. Like both both teams could easily have 13 wins, or they could have like eight. So, Giants win close games, and I think Brian Dable is a better head coach than Kevin O'Connell. So, wow, whoa! I feel like everyone expects the Vikings to lose this game, so I'm going with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, you know, hearing the the Viking fan himself just have no faith in his team here, and. Yeah, just like you said, Will, a lot of people think the Vikings are going to lose. I think that speaks for 
who the Vikings really are as a team and who they've been this season, hiding behind those large amount of wins that were by one score games, which, you know, is very impressive, but still, still the way it happened. So going with the Giants here, I think it is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a very physical game. And I, you know, I, I, if, um, Saquon Barkley can't have a day. I expect some guys to sneak behind the linebackers and have some big plays for the Giants. What do the what do the Vikings do if they lose this game, Thomas? Well, true. I mean, there's not much they can do. You know, I mean, last year was the year to blow it up if you're going to. You're stuck with Cousins for at least another year. You're stuck with Adam Thielen for another year. He's got a $19 million cap hit. Oh, next year? Yep. And if that doesn't if, seem very money ball. Was that a Spielman contract? Oh they're all Spielman contracts outside of you know, Quasi's only <laughs> was um, just the cousins. That's all that's, that's the big decision Quasi's had, had to make was like the cousins one. And, and it was just like a one year. God damn. Yeah, I mean Spielman left a mess behind ultimately with you know, Cook they can move off of. He's got a fourteen million dollar cap hit. They can free up around like eight. So, I mean, there's a good chance if they lose, I mean, Cook's probably gone. Um, Zadarius Smith's probably gone. They could get out of him pretty easily. Um, you know, the only guy that really ultimately probably will be back is Harrison Smith and Thielen. And, I mean, yeah, Cousins. I mean, you're, you're kind of stuck with those guys for these next two years. But the Harrison Smith is not a bad contract. He's a very good player, even at his age. So, yeah, kind of just ride into the sunset with them or what? I mean, I feel like you don't have a lot of draft picks. You only got four in this draft, so they'll they'll trade back. But I think I think they'll just try to retool, you know, and just see what they can do. Like I feel like Kendricks will be gone, Smith would, or Zadarius Smith would be gone, Cook would be gone. You know, those are the three moves that probably happen right away. And then I think they would look to restructure like uh, Adam Thielen, and then they would try to restructure Harrison Smith, do what they can. And then next year, the following year, is when I be, I think they would blow it up and Kirk's off the books, he extend JJ. Maybe maybe not blow it up, but I feel like they would like get rid of a lot of the more Spielman guys and stuff like that, and bring in younger guys and just kind of see where that goes and go from there with a rookie and maybe like a veteran guy. But I wouldn't even count them, you know, drafting a quarterback this year to sit behind Cousins for a year, or you know, trading for Zach Wilson. I've seen that rumor online to have him sit behind Cousins for a year. So, I mean, I don't know. I got to see what they do. I mean, I just they're, – they're not going to blow it up. Ownership won't allow them to. That's why Ryan Poles is in Chicago right now, because he wanted to blow it up in Minnesota, and ownership said no. So, we'll see what happens, you know. You just got, it's like a wait-and-see approach. It depends how they lose. If they lose by a field goal, I mean, I don't think there's going to be that much to evaluate. Like, it sucks. But if they get blown out, like, 40 to 10 or something to the New York Giants of all teams, and, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. All right. Would enjoy seeing the loss. I want to see some controversy. Do you wish they blew it up or what? Do you still stand no. by that stance? No, I mean, I mean, truthfully, no, because I wanted, I thought I wanted them to originally, but just seeing the state the Bears are in right now, where it's like, I, I don't think I'd want that because I still believe there's enough talent on this team to win. You just got to shake it up a, a little bit and you just got to move off the expensive quarterback and find the right guy. I feel like uh, 
last year the Bears and the Vikings were in different scenarios, though. They didn't the have the, Bears, the Vikings had much more talent. The Bears had they still had some talent, but like Bears, the Vikings, you saw they were six and like eight, I think, or like they were like like yeah, no, I mean in like one score games. Like like they were, were the opposite of what they are this year in one score game. So it's kind of offsetting what you're seeing this year and last year. Where the team's good, they're just maybe not great. But they're I good. Feel like, yeah, the state of blowing it all up would have been a lot different, though. Like, you guys wouldn't have been as bad as the Bears were if the Bears. They could have moved off Thielen, though. They could have. But they, they could have moved they, off Thielen. But, like, and maybe, like, if if the Vikings blowing it up last year would have been like Harrison Smith, Eric Hendricks, Adam Thielen gone. Uh, it would have been those guys. The Bears, it was much Thielen bigger. could be gone. You know, it, it just depends how much they want to eat. But I believe they can move off of them for seven mil. They they could save post June first, but it's just like I just I, I don't know if they're gonna do that. Yeah. All right, and then the last one or last two we got Ravens at Bengals. Give me the Bengals. Definitely one of the hotter teams in the NFL. I'm taking the Ravens with the points on that one, but yeah, give me the Bengals to win. You got the Ravens covering seven. Give me seven. Is that what the line is right now? Minus six and a half. Um, I think I might have took an alt spread at like maybe nine and a half or something, but yeah, uh, whatever it is, I think that the Ravens will cover the points. Okay, like it. Yeah, I got I'm also, yeah, I'm going Bengals. I mean, Joey B, that they're actually my Super Bowl prediction of a team that's going to come out of the AFC. All right, Monday night, Bucks Cowboys. I got the boys. Oh, I got Tom Brady. You don't bet against Tom Brady. Cowboys are frauds. So, I mean, the Bucks. I mean, I feel like this is going to be a problem. Who's bigger frauds, Vikings or Cowboys? Oh, Cowboys, 100%. The Vikings don't lose that game to the Jaguars. So, I mean, that game alone. And they don't lose to the Commanders that when they play their starters. You're right. They just lose it to the Packers. Yeah, well, hey, Packers are on the couch right now. So And so are the Lions. Not the Vikings, though. But they did lose to the Cowboys. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I'm rolling with Tom Brady, man. Um, you know what? I don't care if Tom Brady lost his left arm and got three three toes cut off before Monday night. I'm I'm still rolling with Tom Brady. I think oh, definitely he's poor. just a goat. I mean, you can't even. I shouldn't even have to justify my answer here. Not at all. He played one more year. This is why he. This is why he did. It's for the playoffs, and we're here. So Tom Brady. I'm pulling. I'm pulling big time for TB12 over the Cowboys. I just think the Cowboys will prevail. That's just my that's my prediction. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely pulling for TB12. And anything else you guys want to get in there before I wrap this shit up? Now's your chance. Jameson Williams, uh, to the moon, dynasty fantasy football. That's all I like to say. Love to hear that. Uh, Brett, I'm going to decline your trade, by the way. Thank you. You get 2.5. I have 2. Oh, I do have 2.5. Wait, what? Oh, I have two first and two seconds. Hell yeah. All right. Salute to you guys. That's going to wrap it up. For this week's episode of the Pinewood Perspective. Enjoy the playoff games. Peace.